Well, good morning, City Church Sheffield. Uh, it's so good to be with you, although be it virtually. Um, it's a real joy to be with you. We're uh, here in St. Mark's, uh, our church building, and this is where we've been streaming from the last few weeks. And I'm so grateful to the camera crew and the editors uh, behind the desk who've agreed to stay on to record this uh, for you today and uh, really looking forward to sharing this message. I want to speak to you from the book of John, chapter 3, and I want to see some amazing things from the story of Jesus meeting with Nicodemus. It says this in John, chapter 3, verse 1 to 2. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So if you caught that, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, probably because he was a little bit scared of being completely associated with Jesus. Nicodemus was a religious man and the religious elite of that time were not so happy with what Jesus was doing. And this got me thinking that actually there are, may well be many people watching this, could be at night, but there may be many people watching church being streamed at a distance, a bit like Nicodemus was. He didn't want to be completely associated with Jesus. He knew kind of some of the consequence uh, that would come to him if he did that. But so he went to him at night. And maybe you're watching today at a distance. You're kind of just looking in to see what this whole church thing is about. You see, Nicodemus had heard of Jesus' amazing miracles. And maybe you too have heard about the amazing things that Jesus can do for people today. Maybe you've got a friend who's had a story of a healing or a friend who's had a story of a life turned around and you've come today to see what is this about just like Nicodemus did himself. What Jesus says back to him is really interesting. He says, very truly in verse 3, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. A lot of people confuse Christianity, being a follower of Jesus, with just another religion, a kind of way for a moral code, a way to be a goody two-shoes, if you like. Yeah, actually, that's completely wrong. Jesus says, if you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to know who God is and see him among yourselves, you must be born again. I don't know if you're a fan of uh, the caterpillar story and how it eats through lots of different types of food and then at the end it becomes this beautiful butterfly. But in that story, there's the cocoon phase where this caterpillar scrunches up into a ball and if you like in some ways dies before it becomes into something beautiful it's the same kind of concept that Jesus is expressing here if you want to see the kingdom of God you must be born again you must 
have a complete transformation, you must come and, if you like, die to yourself and be born again. Have your life transformed by God, changed from the inside out, not taking on some do's and don'ts to your already heavy burden of life. No, no, no. it's about God coming into your heart and, and switching the lights on on the inside and, and turning everything around so it's almost like you've been born again. It's like a spiritual rebirth coming to follow Jesus. And it's kind of actually quite beautiful if we think about it I don't know if you're like me before I became a follower of Jesus I used to look at photos of me as a little child and I used to see this innocence this kind of almost purity in some ways that I had and I'd gotten myself into a lot of trouble and looking at these pictures I used to think oh I'd like to be pure again I'd like to be innocent again like I was in those photos and we talk about it in modern life, don't we? I, I came across this in an article. This is a, a quote from Alain Robert. He's a, a free climber, so he climbs uh, huge buildings. And he says this, Every building I conquer gives me the sense of having been reborn, the sensation I crave. Alain Robert will climb these skyscrapers to have the sensation of being born again. Perhaps you, like Nicodemus, watching in today at a distance, you want to be born again. You want that restart. You want that clean slate. You want that wiping away of the old. You want that spiritual new start. But then Nicodemus, interestingly, he doesn't quite get it. In verse 4, he says this, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus, mature in years, how, how can I become a baby again? I don't, what, what are you on about? Jesus then explains it some more, but then in verse 9, again, how can this be, Nicodemus asked. How? How? And Jesus responds by looking at a story in the Old Testament that we're going to look at. The Old Testament are the 39 books that come before Jesus in the New Testament. And Nicodemus was a religious teacher, so he would spend his life in this Old Testament, submerged in it. He would have memorized much of it, and he would teach from it very, very often. And so Jesus, he explains what it is to become born again by going in to the books that are relevant to Nicodemus's life. I love this about the character and nature of God revealed in Jesus. Jesus is unchanging, but he reveals himself in ways that we can understand. He speaks to us in our language. We don't need to go to some holy place, learn some holy thing, meet some holy person. No, no, no. God reveals himself to us in Jesus. He's the incarnate God. Someone put it like this much more beautifully than I could. He is the bread of life so that bakers can understand. He's the water of life so that plumbers can understand. He's the light of the world so that electricians can understand. He's the cornerstone so that architects can understand. 
He's the son of righteousness so that astronomers can understand. He's the hidden treasure so that bankers can understand. He's the life so that biologists can understand. He's the door so that carpenters can understand. He's the great physician so that nurses and doctors can understand. He's the good teacher so that educators can understand. He's the lily of the fields so that florists can understand. He's the rock of ages so that geologists can understand. He's the true vine so that horticulturists can understand. He's the righteous one so that judges can understand. He's the pearl of great price so jewelers can understand. He is wisdom so that philosophers can understand. He is the word so that actors can understand. He is the good shepherd so that farmers can understand. He is the alpha and omega so that scientists can understand. He is the way so that traffic wardens can understand. And he is the truth so that politicians can understand. Jesus reveals himself in ways that we can understand. Perhaps he's revealing himself to you today as you're watching. And the story Jesus goes to is found in the Old Testament. And Jesus says this, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. What does it mean to be born again? Well, Jesus, he quotes a story in the Old Testament, a story about Moses lifting up a snake in the desert. What on earth does this have to do with being born again? Well, we're going to look at that story and see what it says. It's found in the book of Numbers. And that's in chapter 21. And it says this. But the people grew impatient on the way. Well, who are these people? Where have they come from and where are they going? Well, these people are the people that God has set free from slavery in Egypt. God's called a man called Moses to lead the people of God out of slavery from Egypt with these amazing signs and wonders. And he's called them towards a promised land, a land that he wants to give them, uh, a land that he wants to bless them in and grow them in. And we read that the people grew impatient on the way. So remember, they've been rescued from slavery under Pharaoh by Moses. They're going towards the promised land but they're growing impatient on the way. Not very grateful, is it? You know, you've just been released from slavery and you're growing impatient towards the amazing promise of new land and future that God has given you. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. There's no bread. There's no water. We're starving out here. We're going to die. Oh, and we hate this food that you've given us. You see the contradictory statement that they make. God has provided for them in amazing, miraculous ways by bringing manna from heaven. We talk about, don't we, sometimes, oh, it was like manna from heaven. Uh, It was this delicious food that was given to them every day to sustain them towards the promise that they were going into. And actually, really, it's a bit like you and me, if we're going to be honest. We've been given life. 
We've been given breath. We've been given creation. We've been given friendship. We've been given food to sustain our bodies. We've been given amazing things by God. But what do we do? We grow impatient. We get angry at God and his good gifts. In fact, we often just turn our back upon God and want nothing to do with him. That was my story before I started becoming a follower of Jesus. I would look at those photos and want that kind of purity, but God, no thank you. I don't want anything to do with him. And then we read about a devastating consequence of these people's actions. We read this in Numbers 21 verse 6. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. God sends some poisonous snakes. Sounds like some old movie in the desert. But they come and they bite the people and many start to die. I had the privilege quite a few years ago now of being a chaplain in the courts and I would often speak to people before they went to go and receive their judgment, their sentence and I can remember, I'll never forget the one day I was chatting to this guy and he'd been growing drugs in his house and a quite substantial number of drugs and he was really trying to comfort himself and, and, and kind of ask for approval of this comfort from me that the judgment he would receive would not be severe. He was trying to convince himself, convince me that he wouldn't go to prison. He was saying, look, this is my first offense. Look, people have done much worse. Look, I, I don't think that I'm really going to do time. I've been trained not to kind of give any approval of this and just listen and kind of be there. Um, but I knew that judge that he was about to go and face. I knew he was a good man, but I knew he took his job very seriously. And sure enough, as I sat in that courtroom, I saw this guy rise to his feet and I saw the judge sentence him to a number of years in prison. And this man broke. He literally fell to the ground and then was lifted up by the guards as they took him away to go and spend a significant amount of time in prison. The Bible helps us understand that God is love. He's not just does loving things. No, he is the very essence and being of love. But because of that love, because he cares deeply about you and me, his creation and everyone in it, he must exert judgment. He must exert justice. If he didn't, he wouldn't be a God of love. And so there is a consequence to the people's impatience as they've been set free from slavery going towards the promised land. The consequence is snakes coming and killing and the Bible says, it actually gives many warnings. Jesus spoke more about hell than many other subjects. 
The Bible gives us a warning that a judgment is coming from God. And this is a, a kind of heavy, severe thing. And a judgment for our wrongdoing. And so we should see ourselves in this story, if you like. We should see ourselves like these people that God has rescued, given so much to. And we should see that we deserve a judgment for our wrongdoing. Let's pick up the story again in Numbers. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. See how they recognize that they've done something wrong? Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. What on earth is this about? Well, at those times, reading around that story, we can tell that a snake speaks of sin. In fact, in the book of Genesis, the, the snake represents the devil, the evil one. It represents everything wrong with this world, if you like. And the color bronze, it represents judgment. It represents the kind of reaction of God towards that sin. And so what does Jesus say to Nicodemus? Let's remind ourselves in John chapter 3, verse 14 to 15. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man will be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. You see the connection. Jesus meeting with Nicodemus at night. Nicodemus likely kind of just looking in, seeing what's going on. Jesus says, you need to be born again. You, like a caterpillar almost. You, you need a complete rechange. You don't need to add something to your life. You, you need to be born again. You need to repent. You need to turn around and change just like the Israelites did in the desert because we have sinned. We've grown impatient on the way. We, we, we've chucked God's goodness back in his face and, and we deserve a judgment for that. But just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the son of man will be lifted up. What does he mean? Jesus is referring to the cross He's saying just as Moses lifted up that snake, that sin and that bronze snake that was speaking of God's judgment, so the son of man will be lifted up. He was lifted up on a stick, if you like, on a tree, on a cross. And he hung there and as he hung there, what was happening? Well, your sin and my sin was laid upon him. And what else was laid upon him? Well, it was the judgment that we deserve he was, if you like, that bronze snake dying for your sin, dying for my sin. He was experiencing every single horrible, disgusting thing that's been happened in our planet and our earth. And he experienced God's judgment against that on the cross. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. 
so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. He sums it up even better in the very next verse, John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, shall not experience that judgment, but have eternal life. Isn't this a wonderful gospel? Isn't this a wonderful story? You see, God became a man, spirit took on flesh, The infinite became finite. The eternal became time-bound. The invisible became visible, ultimately to die for you and for me. He came to suffer the judgment that we deserve so that we, by faith, can experience life and life in its fullness. You see, if I was one of those people in the desert, I would have thought it was a pretty stupid thing to look at a snake. How on earth is that going to save me from being bitten by a snake? That's ridiculous. In the same way, many will say it's foolish what we believe, that by looking to a a man who claimed to be God 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, who hung on a cross. But it's true, if we look to him, we look intently at him, we decide to make him our life, if we come to him we experience in some strange way his death and then his resurrection his life we become born again we get transformed from the inside out this is the gospel this is the good news that we believe and you know what Nicodemus we can learn from the story accounts he went on to stand up for Jesus he went on to even help bury Jesus before he rose again will you follow him there's an opportunity for you to do that today maybe you've been looking in watching today could be your time right now to turn to him it's not a pressure thing but there's an opportunity if you want to do that why don't you say this prayer after me father god i'm sorry for the sin in my life I thank you, Jesus, that you died for those sins in my place. Please come and live in me now and give me that spiritual rebirth you've promised. If you said that prayer, I want to encourage you, do let someone know they'd love to help you. Just if you like a new baby's been born, you need some help, some food, some comfort, do let people know and they would love to give you that. It's been such a joy preaching for you this morning and we're praying for you from Leeds. God bless you guys.